Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Network. Joining me to talk about defeat to Man United, we've got Stu and your foe. Stu, you were there yesterday. Mm-hmm. How did you find it? Was it a bit of a slippery situation for <laughs> you? or have you, um, have you put the image in? You can. I, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I didn't think I'd do... Um, I, I thought it could come across as offensive to I'll all parties. I'll, I'll do it myself. So the story goes that <laughs> we were in altering and weather spoons as you are. Um, a three-hour session in there, nice and a, nice and standard. Um, but my mom, in her wisdom, saw this two sachets of Lurpak just sitting there on the table from someone who'd sat there before, and it hadn't been cleared away. Fair enough. She then said, oh, she tried to put them in her pocket, saying, no, I'll have these, they're free. And well, they're not free, that someone's paid for them beforehand, and they won't throw them away, they'll use them later. But her reasoning was that she wouldn't have to go to the shop then, um, on the way back to get butter for the breakfast. So, oh, go on then. So she was hot, kind of storing these two, like two, this is all it was, two little sachets of Lurpak next to her in the pub for three hours. Then we left, put it in her pocket. I think nothing of it. I thought, oh, okay, fair enough. Then get in the ground, and this is, by the way, on a couch trip that's what forty minutes from the from Altrincham to Old Trafford, where she's had plenty of time to put it away in a bag. No, she doesn't do that, does she? Oh no. She then proceeds to <laughs> sit on them for the whole journey, and then we get there. I go to the bar as you do. Three quid at points as well in Old Trafford. Very impressed. That's good going. That's good going. You know, I think four. I think it's four twenty-five a pie, which was pretty nice as well. Meat and potato up north. You got to do it here. Um, so then she's standing there, just before kickoff, and for the audio listeners, this is a sixty-five-year-old woman with a, a pocket, <laughs> hands in her pockets. Screen's not going to work, is it? But there we are. And I was looking at her, and what are you doing? And her, she basically lubed herself up, and when you know, did away with Lurpak. That's your mother, Stuart. Yeah. And it's not my fault, is it? It's not my fault she can't behave herself after four points of worthies. This is what happens. She literally got a bus pass last week, and I said to her, you're going to have seen our moments now. And it's literally happened within a week. There's no excuse for it. And that whole taking the piss out of her was the best part of my day until Eurovision. And then fucking Finland got robbed as well. So, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. Cha-cha-cha. I mean, it's somewhat... Better than yesterday's game for you, mum. Is how I describe <laughs> it. Um, let's talk about the game. I mean, for me, we didn't want Wolves to feel like they were on the beach, but we sort of are, aren't we, lads? So, unfortunately, the performance wasn't quite there. It did feel very end of season vibes. But we've we finished our exams, but we still have to be in school for one reason or another. Um, but there was only one change to a starting lineup, and it had been there'd been murmurings for the last couple of weeks, and even I guess when he arrived. But Saar was essentially dropped. I mean, Lopetegui's come out and said that he's looking to give players on the fringes a little bit more game time in the last three games of the season. But there was only one change um, after I I guess a number of performances over the last six months from Saar, would that be fair to say? This by being in 
a defensive unit that's kept 10 clean sheets at home. So, yeah. Which I, is, I, is that bad? I, uh, I am playing devil's advocate. That's yeah. that's all I do here. You know this, Stu. It's, I think the problem with him, like I said a few weeks ago, that he was so good last year that he was never going to keep that up. It was, it was ridiculous levels. Um, and he's kind of naturally dropped down a bit. And was every, as with everyone else in the squad, they just bottomed out, hadn't they? They, were, they couldn't get any lower. And with keepers, it's all about form and confidence. And he starts doing stupid fucking things, and which is what I expected him to do when we signed him, because that's the kind of guy, well, like when he was riding that bike around Tetnal within months of coming here. You can see what kind of kind of bloke he is. Um, but you you take that with a, a keeper like that. So for me, that was fine. The odd cock up. Not a problem for the amount of things that he'll save you in the long run, but when it had started getting the other way around, where he was becoming more and more not a liability, but his kind of confidence or lack of was spreading to everyone else in defence. So where do you make the change? <laughs> but then you look at the Villa game, and he pulls off a worldie, and he doesn't do anything wrong at all. He's perfectly fine. Um, I mean, I'll put the face hand emoji up with Bentley on Twitter because it's just uh, I don't like the whole give everyone else a chance thing it's like we know how bad the game's going to be then as soon as you start doing that and nothing no slight on him he's, he is what he is and um, we'll come on to him his performance anyway but as soon as you start doing that you know the season's over <laughs> and you know that they're not going to try and I think more of a more of an issue for more than Man United really the fact that they scored by a mistake and hitting us on the break in the 90 plus minutes and they have got something to play for and we haven't and they did fuck all. So I don't think the performance overall, yeah, we didn't create anything at all. Um, other than maybe a snapshot here and there, but saying that, neither did they. <laughs> other than what Bentley saved. So, I mean, to be fair, there's a level of just Reverting to type falls because, right, we we still I conceded two yesterday. We, we conceded quite a few throughout the season, but we've been, always been dog shit of <laughs> up front. So, you know, we we've kind of kept a level of resilience. But very interested on your thoughts in terms of not putting out a weakened team, but giving players who haven't quite had a chance a chance. Do you think it's good from Lopetegui just to kind of? I know, give them the opportunity to impress. Let's say, but we pretty much hit a home run January transfer signings wise. But Bentley's not had anything due to cup runs and things like that. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I mean, with Bentley, I mean, he's he knew that he was going to have to come in and sort of oust Saar. But I think the the more concern is with the other players like him and Ayers Pedences and 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 such. Because unless they're out of contract in the summer, a la Traore, there is a very good chance that if unless Wolves cancel their contract, which very much highly unlikely that they're going to do due to the wages that they're on, that they could still be here next season. So you don't really want to be going into the last game, not playing, you know, somebody like Jimenez for like ten games in a row or something ridiculous, hmm. or you know, not having him involved in the match day squad in case he's around for another year because. Nobody really knows how players like that will react because they've never been in that situation here before. Um, and it's it's difficult because he's got to try and keep a happy ship and, and keep a dressing room that's united. But having players who are going to be on the fringes and not play, it, it's it's difficult. It's, it's that man management side of it. And that's where he's got to find that balance. And I think probably this game... He's probably the best best game to actually do it in. Now the 40 points has been met, mathematically everything's safe. He can start messing around with things. And I think Pedence probably would have probably got a start against United if he hadn't done all the bullshit with his family in the previous <laughs> week. Um but I think that's that's more just guessing really. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing to do at this point. Yeah, I think I was pondering it myself, and my calf line is give him a chance. And give them minutes if you know they're going to be here next season. Mm. So actually, I'm. I think it's fairly nailed on that we're not going to get rid of Bentley in the summer, just just because we signed him six months ago. 
and he is somewhat backup choice goalkeeper. Give him minutes, keep him happy, on board with. I'd have been less keen on us giving minutes for the sake of minutes to, let's say, a Dharma. Unless it's our farewell and, and you want to do the sentimental stuff. So uh, Everton's almost, I guess, your, your game for any sentimentality. Front of, uh, of Okay, let's go for Matinho. We'll go for Matinho, Stu. But actually, if you want to give players the send-off, do it then. If you're looking to give players an opportunity to see how they operate in the team, so let's say Jean Gomez, I'd be, I'd be all for if he said, you know what? Against Everton, we're not going to play um, Nunes. We're going to play Jao Gomez because I want to give him as much opportunity to impress as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's difficult, as you, as you say, because at the end of the day, they are still all professionals and they all want to play every week. And it, there's only ever 11 happy footballers at a club, isn't there? Uh, you I know. think... I think yeah, I mean that, that's spot on. And when you look at, like you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Pedence and his family and all the putting the tactical camera clips on Instagram, and you couldn't make it any more blatant than you want to fuck off somewhere else. But he was absolutely battered on the way out of the ground. Like there was no like redeeming features of it. Of, like no one's sticking up for him at all. Everyone's just had enough. And I think you look at some of the nonsense and losing the ball in the centre circle again yesterday and you think, okay, prove yourself then. You've had all this nonsense all week long. Come on the pitch, prove yourself, do something, don't piss about. Just play properly. And you looked at his performance, you look at how bad Troy Ray was when he came on, just didn't, didn't want to know. Which, where after all the stuff that Lopetegui was saying about they want to keep him, is a bit baffling really when you think okay play for a contract you clearly not had any interest at all in you which you think as good as you think you are up your game and he did nothing and there was so many times where again shock horror Trioros on the pitch and Samedo started getting battered to that side and like, there was times when he was the ball was on Trioro comes on the ball's not on anymore and what's he got to do turn around and go backwards and then you have people back on, on his back again it's there's players there that have clearly got a way past their best here. They might do something elsewhere, but that's what that's what annoyed me more than anything else. I think the Bentley thing, fine, we know he's going to be here, and yeah, that performance was great. But as soon as you looked at Raul back in being back on the bench, and you think, oh God, why? What is the point? And he did less than Costa when he came on, which. There you go. What's that say about him? Well, it's just a squad full of dead weights, and, and and if they are going to start being, which I don't think you will do, the whole sentimental thing next week. Um, find bring save three subs if we two magically two nil up against Everton with, with ten minutes left, and bring them on for a swan song or whatever. But we know what's going to happen there anyway. <laughs> and do you really want your abiding memory of Raúl, Matinho, Traoré? to be being booed off against Everton. Not really. <laughs> I mean, it says a lot that the, the two of the three highest earners at Wolves arguably shouldn't be in the match day squad in in Moutinho and Roll. Yeah, if it, if it, uh, I get what you're saying in terms of, I guess, quality of output these days. And it kills me to say with both of them, particularly Moutinho, because it's almost gone from that sliding scale as that you know, he's good he's good all season to he's good in spells that he's good for a ninety minute one off performance to he gives you a good sixty minutes. He's great to bring off the bench for experience. And like that time optimal time you have Matino in a team is just ever shrinking ever so much. Yeah, it always goes in a game and it's not know, worth six figures now, is it? No, and yeah, I, I, you know we Big thanks to everyone tuning in live, and you know, Paul. Paul said, um, you know, respect for competition of relegation battle and try and beat Everton. And I get it, but at the same time, I think to be fair, all three of them. Well, no, at least at least Jimenez and Martino deserve 
some sort of recognition. I mean, particularly Matinho, I think that feels sort of somewhat nailed on. Raul's future's somewhat grey because he's under contract for another 12 months. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whether they move him on at this point or not, I, I guess is a question mark because there is a decent amount of dead wood in this side, isn't there? And there's players it, uh, and that's a polite way of saying it. But you know, you've got players who've got a year left on their contract, so they've got to make a decision to offer new ones, sell, or keep around and let them run out, as well as losing three or four as well, as well as players who aren't performing and you know aren't quite cutting it. That's an awful, that's an awful mix for me. Um, I mean, what. When I did it in the week, then when I when I put the little the little notes, see the screenshot in, and there was seventeen players who I'd keep. That's <laughs> yeah. So that that space for eight new new bodies in a squad that's finished mid table. I think that kind of says everything after the last four years, five years. That yeah, it, it's time. It was time last year. We needed it needed a refresh. We we signed one midfielder in. For the first time in four four and a half years or something like that when mm-hmm. when Matthias came in mm-hmm. stupid absolutely yeah, stupid i think i think there's a lot of hindrance there with these sort of players like i think having moutinho sort of it, it's just to talk about moots because I, I love him i think he's fantastic probably the best player to ever, ever wear a wall shirt in the modern era in the premier league era of was playing in that league and and but the thing is, having somebody like him in the match day squad, it hinders Joe Gomez. It hinders Bubakar Traore when he com- comes back. You know, the players who are going to be here long term and have careers ahead of them shouldn't be hindered by a thirty-six-year-old. Hmm. And like, and and you say about role and, and showing him respect. Fuck me, that banner that every that all the fans paid for that went up during COVID hmm. to support him after that injury. I think that was enough. I think that. That showed what people actually cared. I think we don't need to be giving him minutes and giving him appearance bonuses because we give a shit. Well, yeah, that's just more money shitted down the drain. Yeah, the whole the whole of last season, everyone was behind him. Everyone, yeah. everyone knew it was going to take time, and it, if he ever got back, he got back to what he was. Everyone knew that, and there was not an issue. The only the issue started when he pissed off, which yeah, fine, get away from Doctor Death, yeah, but the way he went about it was bad. And what do you expect when you do that kind of thing? And then you, your new manager comes in and he's calling you out straight away. And there's no response, which there hasn't been at all. Yeah, if you're, if you're, again, but there's a level of Captain Hindsight with it. But the time for to move Raul on was last summer. Mm-hmm. But he, he'd, had, he'd had a season of playing again. He'd got a couple of goals, but very clearly wasn't at that level anymore and with the world cup coming up why on earth they didn't they say get getting that move to the mls getting that move back to um mexico and basically just have a very slow warm-up to a world cup rather than him you know say playing for mexico instead of us and all and this that and the other it's disappointing um I, i Guess what? Right, I'll, I'll tenuously link it back to the game yesterday. But Dean Marston, a friend of the show, asks: uh, Did Jimenez clap the away in Stu? There seems to be a, some other debate around around this. I didn't see him do that, um, but it, I, I was on the very end of the, of the row. I was right by the gangway, so it was a case of I really needed a piss. So <laughs> I, I didn't stay and wait for everyone to come over. Um, even if we'd won three two, I was I was so bursting. It was that three pound a point. You 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 lure me in, it's cause and effect. But no, I, I there was more again. The kind of vibe afterwards was the people who were being slagged off was Pedence, Triore, and Raúl, and no one seemed to have seen him do it. So I kind of I'll go with what, what the people who were there were talking about afterwards. So I didn't see him do it. But at the same time, I can't say that I saw him walk down the tunnel either. More on this to come. Um, let, let's talk about the game, because we've done a really good job for nearly 20 minutes of not <laughs> talking about it, to be honest. Um, yeah, it it never felt like Wolves fully got a foothold in the game. And 
almost set up to frustrate Man United to a degree, but I don't know if that was just because we didn't know how to move a ball going forward much. But let's talk about Dan Bentley because fantastic display. You know, in in terms of some of you know the, the clips that he did, really, I was gonna say, really impressed with him to sort of come straight in and um, and do for business. I mean, it wasn't so much like the saves and stuff that you saw on match today, because a, a, a couple of them were brilliant reflex saves, and we got the one there for the audio people that it, where he tipped it over the bar, which wasn't shown, but it, it was how he. There's a, it's hard to describe it. There's just a kind of there's a way with keepers where you have certain types who will flap and get rid of it as soon as possible, but then you got the other type who will claim absolutely everything, and not in a kind of pulling it to your chest kind of way, like proper like the uh, stereotypical picture of like David Seaman with both hands his hands up and stuff like that with comparing his hand size to other people. But that kind of you look at David Seaman hands, you'll know that what I'm talking about. But the proper like safe hands catch like where mm-hmm. he just sticks and not tapping it and dropping it once and then picking it up like you properly stick into him and it happened quite a few times and I thought actually fair play because I slagged him off when he came in I thought what every time I've seen him that he's not the player that I've seen playing against us over the years that it, it was something else yesterday just the confidence in him and I don't know if that's the, the goalkeeper coaching that we've got here, which it very well might be, but hello, um, but uh, yeah, he was just really—he didn't look like he, it was making his debut, and yet obviously he's not a kid either. He's tw- is he twenty nine? Um, yeah. Something like that. He's not a kid, so he ain't going to be phased by you. But to be making his his Wolves debut and, and Premier League debut overall in that stadium, he didn't put a foot wrong. He was great. Yeah, brilliant. Like just, some of the saves were up there. That, that was unorthodox. I think a few of the saves, his body position looked weird, but can't knock that. I can't knock him at all. Like you say, he claimed everything. He was he was there. He was brave. He was vocal. He, you know, he's he's he was leading that bat line. He was probably more vocal than Jose Saris. Um, and you say he was a confident uh, performance. You know, you say Premier League debut at Old Trafford. A team that, you know, are chasing Champions League football. They're still in pole position to do so. It's it's not bad, and you can't you can't knock him at all. And and to be fair, the two goals, the one hits the post, and the other one, you know, it's just, it's a it's a cutback. So it's it's you can't do anything about it. So yeah. fair play, hands up to him. He's done really really well there. And I think uh, it's good to have somebody who now you can say Jose Sarri is going to be pushed by that performance. Because Bentley showed he's a Premier League goalkeeper yesterday. His distribution as well. There was a couple of times where he when he caught it as he did, and then properly bowled it out to start a counter attack as well, which Saar did last year, but he hasn't done this year whatsoever. <laughs> which you think, well, if Bentley's doing that straight away, it's clearly not a directive to anyone to not do that. So who knows? But again, even doing that, he did it with confidence, which was mm-hmm. amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, the one I'll... throw out was brilliant, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, genuinely really impressed by him. And to be fair, he's a keeper with a lot of experience under his belt. So he's in, I guess you could argue, a prime of his career. Whether he's got enough to be a number one goalkeeper, I'm not quite sure. But I think we were somewhat blessed with Saar last season. And it's going to sound bad when I say he can't, you know, put will over our eyes because Saar saved us a lot of points last season. But I think that was more to do with how bad everyone else technically was sometimes and how good he was in form. Whereas I think how Bentley is doing it, we're judging off one game, which to be fair, we still conceded two. He had no chance with but the first one and the second one, again, last minute, essentially a one-on-one. Um, but hey, positive signs to come. I think at least if it at least gives Saar a level of competition, it's always difficult with goalkeepers. Then I'm all for it. Um, you know what? I, I just before we move on, I, no. 
when you say he, would he be good enough? Like the, I mean, there was Bristol a guy, City, was right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy who, again, is just I presume he played today. He kept a clean sheet to the Emirates, and Jason Steele, who out of absolutely nowhere has mm-hmm. looked like one of the best keepers in the Premier League, and I just, I just had to check how old he actually is, and he's 32. But you look at his his career, Middlesbrough, 131 appearances, most of them in the in the Championship. Northampton, Blackburn, Sunderland. And he's been at Brighton since 2018. 12 appearances. He's been at Brighton for five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, just yeah, the whole time number... they've been in the Premier League. Yeah. yeah just as a number two. That almost, that almost hurts my head. So but... he's to, he's been given the chance. And he's took it, so yeah. There's no, there's no saying that it, it can't happen. We've mm-hmm. seen it before with with keepers who come up through, mostly being promoted with teams, and they the take it, they just take to it straight away. So there's no really out. And that performance yesterday was not a guy who was, who seemed shy in any way. Well, um, you've got to look at players like Emmy Martinez, and you where they get yeah. regular game time because he come there to Molyneux, he played a few games, but in front of him was probably one of the worst back fours that we'd had at the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, goalkeepers always get a bad rep because if you can see goals, or you, they always look to the goalkeepers. They don't say, oh, what have the defence in the midfield done to fuck that up? Got goalkeepers will always get a bad rep for a shit, shit defence. And, you know, that's why you see these ones come up and do well. That's why Steele's done well with Brighton. Because you, you watch a lot of games. You even watch the Notts County um, playoff final um, yesterday, um, and the goalkeeper he had he didn't do anything wrong for a lot of the goals. There were deflections or yeah. there were just mistakes by players. Even down at that level, they play they could play probably a couple of levels above, but nobody gives chances to him because of stats and stuff like that. When you just go and look at a goalkeeper, you can see if he's good. Mm-hmm. Just watch him play. No. I think it's I think it's gonna be a really interesting one over summer because again it feels like we are in that transition at Wolves yet again and they they might look at the situation and go, you know what, we can recoup what we pay, paid for Saar. No. And go, you know you wouldn't I, don't, I, don't, I still I still think that there's a um Saar with confidence is miles better than what <laughs> what Bentley could ever be. But it's getting that confidence back is the problem. Uh, I was going to say, and that's such a hard thing for a goalkeeper. And you, 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 Jason Steele's a perfect example because the last club he was at before Brighton Sunderland when they got relegated, mm-hmm. and I don't know, he you could argue he almost needed quite literally half a decade to God find his way back sometimes it's you know I, I we could probably do a whole podcast and we're doing a really good job not talking about the game as well <laughs> um talking about the psychology of goalkeepers and you say having that confidence and that self-belief and that aura look at joe hart like he was out in the fo- footballing wilderness wasn't he and you know now doing doing a really great job um up in the farmers league up north but let, anyway, right, game. Um, player who doesn't usually make character mistakes like this, but Kilman for the first goal? Hmm. I, I don't know what he was thinking of. Yeah. He hasn't oh. done that. I can't think of him ever doing that before. Well, he's, he's for some reason stepped out like a kind of... Well, they, well they're using the, the reference in the full Monty, eh? the, the Tony, Tony Adams... <laughs> Step up mm. to, to catch him offside, but he, he's gone too far with it, and I've got no idea what he was thinking of. He was never winning that ball whatsoever. Um, I mean, the pass was great anyway, but still, for the for the one before when he slipped, the pass for that was terrible. Um, but again, his positioning for that was bad. So you think, okay, he's got away with one there, and then the one where he just compl- thinks he's a central midfielder nowhere. What are you going to do? You're just completely screwed over then because Totti's, Totti's exposed on his own <laughs> coming across and it was game over straight away and you just one of them things, ain't you? you just hold your hands up. It was a mistake and they capitalised on it. 
Yeah, I mean, to be, he looked a lot more sure second half and things like that. And you say it's just, just bizarre for me because mm. out of kind of all a lot of our defensive players we've had, he's never been that one that's just trying, you know, break line and you know try and nick it on the halfway line. But yeah, again, just just sloppy from a player who doesn't tend to do. Who's a risk averse? I'd say Max Kilman. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 difficult to say because like before Dawson came in, he was probably in his worst run of form when it was him and Collins for that sort of like pre World Cup spell. And what he did yesterday shows me that he's got confidence in himself to go and you know attempt to try and win that ball. Yeah. So I don't want to I wouldn't want him to sort of knock that out of him and knock his confidence back again. But I think it's just now that okay he learns from because he doesn't come in a, cru- a crucial point because he doesn't we don't need the points in that game. But it's now how they tailor that as a learning experience. So how Dawson can help him pull through and say okay we need to be concentrating for the ninety minutes because you know, he's still. I don't think he's 25 yet. So he's, he's still like learning because he's not played a, a huge amount of first team um, football in his career. So he's, he's still got to adapt and learn and make mistakes. And I think people shouldn't, you know, people say, okay, yeah, it's a mistake, but people shouldn't like get on top of it. That's what I'm saying. Mm. These people don't, don't worry too much about it. It's now watch him next week, how he adapts. So if there's a similar situation where an Everton player has, has, got, has got the ball and got to turn with it and go, that he doesn't do it again so he doesn't step in again. And that's how, he, how he's going to progress and become a better player now. And that's that's his learning point and his, how he adapts. Well, I get that, that was sort of one of my touch points on it in terms of, I guess, who you do it against as well because... I think he probably gets away with it if he does it against Everton. A, because I think he might win the ball in the first instance. <laughs> and B, you don't get punished for mistake in the second. And, all right, Man United get a bad rap, but they're a top four team and are on the improvement side of things for me. They are they are a team who are getting better from the last six months or the last 12 months. And, you know, I've seen Man United fuck up those situations. And they they had a couple of chances before in the first half, you know, particularly Anthony with the header where he, you know, just where he headed it over. But for them to actually have the clarity of mind, then you know, actually just work it through it very quickly, very efficient, efficiently, to then lay it off for an open goal. That's the side or half side or half decent side for me. Whereas I think you say if he doesn't if he does it against Everton or whoever, I don't think we get punished in the same way. But also, I think he, he responded really well second half. And I think mm. they, they did have that bit of a rally second half. Yeah, they, they did. But it, it was just so fruitless. And I think a lot of it was down to Huang again, to be fair to him. He did a, he's come back a different player this time around from his latest injury. Um, he looks fired up. And like he's, he looks... I, he doesn't physically look like he's bulked up like what happened with Neto over that one summer. But it's almost like a mentality shift with him. Like he's not going to get bullied off the ball anymore and he's going he's gonna to do as much as he can. He's going to be slightly more physical. I think you saw it like that. I did allude to it on Saturday, didn't they? That he, 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 he thought about diving and just carried on when he mm. was through on goal. You think, well, fair play to you. A lot of players, like 90% of players these days would go down there and get caught out and look stupid later on. But he didn't. And I think him being so direct did help things later on because no one else was going to do it. I was going to say, with Hank, he's definitely someone I can see staying around next next season as a yeah. squad man. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I, I guess... I say, apart from a lot of huffing and puffing, and it did feel like there was a, a, a lot of huffing and puffing. Was there any real other standouts for you guys? I mean, for me, it, it very much felt. I mean, y- y- you look at the XG as much as anything else, and Man United's two point nine to our point four one. No, I think that so not point four one. Sorry, not point four one. Very much felt like an accumulation. 
um, unfortunately. But again, we did, it felt like we kind of just stayed in it for like a weirdly long amount of time through saves, decent defending. Obviously, there was a couple of like bizarre hiccups like Neves in that pass. Mm. So just no one. And he, he just, I don't know what was up with him yesterday. He just didn't seem to have his head in the game. No. That's all. I just, it, it's the same Ruben who's been turning up ra- at random points during the season and just in him not being in control of it, the way he plays and not playing to well, to his standard because um, you know, we all as fans hold Ruben in a high, high regard and high standard because he set himself those levels. So to see him drop as badly as he did yesterday was frustrating more than anything. And that's happened time and time again, eight as well. When when he him in particular has had a bad game, we've all pretty much always lost. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, the, the way things are, and I think he kind of the narrative, the well, kind of I've very heavily contributed to as well that when we're a better side without him in it overall. Yesterday was absolutely that because there was no movement at all anywhere on the pitch. And he was demanding the ball as much as he usually does. But when his distribution's as bad as it was yesterday, you just you got no hiding to nothing because you've got nothing. You got nothing at all. You can, you can punt the ball long, but long he's getting to the halfway line, and then there's nothing there. And then you're going back. You're going you horseshoeing again. And yeah, it was when he has a bad game, everyone else suffers. Um, and I think that that whole situation with him, I, I presume, will come on to it later as well. It's going to be very interesting there because the, when you look at things like that, you think, yeah, we he could have had no qualms about being took off at half-time because he, he was he was poor um, and we needed something else and we didn't get it. No, we didn't. Um, as I say, before we kind of talk about, yes, Lopetegui's little bit after the game, that second goal did come in the end and again, it I don't know what it is about the man you, the man you play is called Garantia. I just find him so... Hmm? Fu- hey, you heard me. You heard me. I, <laughs> no, you say, say it again? No, no, because I'm scared. <laughs> but I find him so thoroughly dislikable, I don't quite know why. I was going to say it's the other way around. I've got no issue with him. And he, he was... He, Cause, yeah, he might be have silly hair and whatever, but is it the? Ha- I don't know. Anthony. If it was pink, though, you'd have a big issue. <laughs> <laughs> Rapping out of style. I, f- I feel it's for he- he's someone who looks like he's always about to get a booking for a late a late challenge on a on a wise fallback. He's got he's got a bit about him. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate him, Anthony. Anthony can fuck off into the sun. If there's if there's one player who in this season or in opposition that's not at Villa or Arsenal, it's there. I hate more. It's him. It might be an irrational thing. He's just got one of them faces that you just want to hit over oh, and over oh, again. Yeah. Just detest. Yeah, I mean Bruno Fernandez is that for me? So for yeah. <laughs> the United team, I just yeah. Would players act above their station and have no humility? Just it's like you can go fuck <laughs> yourself, and that that's Anthony in, in a in a nutshell. To be honest, yeah, I I think the price tag alone was bonkers. The the attitude, the arrogance, and my, my thing, you can get away with the arrogance if you back it up. Yeah, of no. which I don't think he's backed it up ninety odd million. Not a silly worth. little spin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. So it's good. To, in a way, though, it feels quite nostalgic for Man United have players who I, I have an irrational dislike to. <laughs> it it it, it does it feels make like me, we're coming back to normal, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does feel like you know we we got, yeah say coming back full circle on ourselves. But um, before we wrap up the Man United, any other tidbits from the game or? No, no, I, I just, I just saw something interesting. I don't know whether we've spoken about it at any point, but I just seen it. There's an interview with um, a certain young Fabio Silva, Ooh. where he said that he hasn't spoken to Lopetegui since he's come in. Um, he says that he feels it's important for having somewhere where he can play a lot of minutes, 
but he would like to play in La Liga, and that's his dream. So I think what's his space? He'll probably be playing for a top eight side in La Liga next season. And that'll be my bet. Yeah, Valencia, maybe. <laughs> he was never coming back here. Never in a million years. As soon as, he, as, as soon as he started running his mouth off, you knew that he... The, the no dickheads policy very much applies all over the club. And look what happened with Geddes. No surprise. Take the 20 million hit on him. You're going to take a 35 million hit on on Fabio and get, well, you, not that much. Well, you, you'd probably get about 10, 15 with add-ons, I suppose. Someone to take him off our hands. He ain't got a future here. Not one at all. No, but there needs to be a huge turnaround, doesn't there? Well, um, the more, the more he's... The, the optics, as it were, for me. The more he talks and the more... I mean, there's a certain section of, so the more mature part of the fan, fan base who hate him anyway, who are never going to get behind him. And the more he talk, comes out with his shit in public, he's going to get the young ones on his back as well. So at his age, you'd think, yeah, you might be still young, mate, but you're experienced now and you know what happens with this. And he just looks like he's just pushing for a move away, which, again... You can't really blame him for how he was treated here before, which is fine for him, but he ain't got a future here. Not a chance. No, I think especially... I don't know how much I kind of read into, oh, Lopetegui's not talked to me, because... Why would he? Uh, why would he? He's, 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 he's literally kind of... I, I don't even think he um, came back to England but he switched loan spells. I think he just literally just went in for road, um, to be honest. So it, his future, uh, I think it's a tricky one for me. He's, do you throw you right? If, if a Seville come in for him, um, you know, if they have a bit of a rebuilding or somewhere after their topsy-turvy season or wherever, uh, who knows? I'd, I'd love to see it work out because there was such a, who hard when he signed, but hey, uh, at least Gully's just got to see him make an assist for Xavi Simmons. He's I was going to say, <laughs> a great, great goal. You see, I mean, the, the assist was pretty simple. The goal wasn't. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Gladden scored today as well. Uh, if I if I read correctly, um, which is just simply wonderful. We should be trying to sign him. I'm saying it now. I'm, I'm saying it now. Um, Lopetegui post-match said, today we have tried. I don't have anything to say about the attitude of the players. We played against a very good team who have different aims than us, which kind of screams to what we're saying. It's like, you know, yeah, Man United is still pushing for top four, top three. And our, our lads are still a bit on the beach, aren't they? Which, which is frustrating because, you know, we, we're going to come up to season ticket renewals and people are still going to be on the fence with it. And I think a lot of people got their renewal letters this week and without kind of going through all the figures, because I will get them wrong and it will be really boring uh, content for you all. I've stuck it up on screen for anyone listening on the, uh, on YouTube, uh, check over on uh, Twitter and also YouTube pages. Yeah listening to this but essentially i think ticket prices have roughly gone up by around between three and nine percent depending on where you're sitting is that about right Stu? it's about 35 quid to... yeah it works out about That's 35 quid yeah. yeah so i think yeah a few extra quid a game <laughs> uh, there was there was the, the whole the usual meltdown rather and <laughs> i don't know what people expect anymore they haven't. Every you just put put that graphic up. Every year it's gone up. Why? Why all of a sudden would they not put them put it up if they could? And which is the problem because they can, and they know for well that they can. And while we've got a waiting list, which amazingly we still have apparently, um, there's always customers as we are now waiting in the wings, not in the Billy Wright wings either, just generally. Um, but. <laughs> It could have been a lot worse, and like for me, seven hundred twenty-two quid, thirty-eight quid a game, Premier League football. I don't really care, you know. To be honest, it's it's less than forty quid a game, which is kind of 
across the board now you go and look another whole thing of yeah you look at the price of gigs and all that kind of stuff and it's astronomical at this point how, how much these things are you know cinema it's what 20 quid uh for a pass for a month watch as much as you want yeah fine brits football you ain't got a choice you ain't, you ain't gonna go and watch them lot down the road as all them bellends keep saying on twitter and yeah, you can moan and whinge about it all you want, but it's not going to make any difference. You're just going to wind yourself up. And <laughs> you can say, yeah, okay, it's not as bad as we thought. I thought it was going to be 800 quid this year. Next year, it probably will be. But that's an extra night out now. <laughs> the look on the bright side. Obviously, we all, like we like my um, interview with Dan on the, the Trust, and they were campaigning to get a, a price freeze. They've just ignored it, and then just gone ahead and just carried on as as usual. So, it's one of them things. It's an extra quid a week. Everything's gone up anyway. They were always going to do this. Fair play to clubs who don't. Brits Fosen. <laughs> They're not going to change, are they? So, we can moan and whinge all we like. We can campaign all we like, or whatever. Going to make no difference. So just just consume your energy. If you don't want to go, don't go. Simple as that. If you do want to go, and you think, okay, yeah, it's it's not a bad deal, which when you compare 722 to 500 quid literally five years ago, it's clearly a bad deal. But they've got a monopoly. Th- We're not- yeah, and also quite a few things that I guess have happened in the last five years. Yeah, exactly. And so it's for, for me, it's not that bad. It's annoying, yes. And they're going to praise them, no. But at the same time, it's better than I thought. So from that point of view, I was pretty pleased. But the fact that you are pretty pleased with paying thirty six quid more and effectively what twenty quid and twenty quid a week for nine months <laughs> for something that generally pisses you off every week, it is what it is. Make your own choice. But whinging about it, you're going to get anywhere, and you're just going to end and wind yourself up and end up like Russ. Love you, Russ. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I I did see a shout on Twitter, and I, I I'm a sort of on your camp of this, Stu. That you know what, if you want to vote with your feet, vote with your feet. And it is gut wrenching to be priced out of going to football matches. Um, but I'd be fascinated to see how many people that's happened to. Because it's happened to me. Um. Well, it nearly happened really? to me last year. This yeah. this time last year, mm-hmm. I said the, I came on here and said the same thing. Yeah. That, and then they changed it to nine months, and it was it was sound. Um, mm. Which again, they don't get enough praise for doing that because not a lot of clubs do it. Which yeah. is fair enough. And I think it was it ninety three percent renewal last year. Yeah, I mean it's it, unfortunately the club can not quite charge whatever they want because they got a pre. He said they, they've got a monopoly on it. But it's still incredibly frustrating considering how much you know we are going through this cost of living crisis and X, Y, and Z. And for a club, it's I think it works out as probably about half a million, something like that. I think give or take, it's about four to five hundred k of of increased revenue into a club by. Increasing the cost of tickets by, you know, 38 by two quid a game. And you can't go, well, what, what, what does that signify for the club? And people say, you know, well, it pays, you know, it'll, it'll pay Nevis' wages for four weeks. It's, it's about, it's about 800 grand. 800 grand, apologies. About. But, but let's be honest, like, it's not a huge amount, no. or but for for club clarky, well, hang on, it pays for you know actually eight hundred grand pays for pretty much you know pays for the entire media department, or it pays for such and such, or it pays for you know subsidising parts of the Wolves women or the youth academy or this or this or this, and it's uh, it's always tricky unless. They sort of say, you know, we're having a price freeze, and you know, it almost comes back to the age old question as well how much do you think it's worth? We talked on the show last week about, you know, ticket sharing and things like that. And ultimately, 
that's something that does drive up ticket prices because they know that there's a market for people to spend more on spend more on them for these one-off games as well and it's all frustration all frustrating i did hear an amazing shout um on twitter which was it'd be great to sit if a local business came in and offered a club the exact amount that ticket <laughs> price increase gains them uh not to put the ticket prices up would be the best bit, bit of marketing you would see and gobsmacked how that would work <laughs> just not for marketing, just you know, we've paid it. Yeah, to, your your ticket increase in association with Tops Tiles or something like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So we'll see, um, I guess. But I mean, it's, let's be honest, it ain't going to affect the. Uh, it ain't going to affect renewals, is it? No, of course not. No, not well, no. Sorry, no. It won't affect. Renewals. It won't uh, overall ticket sales. Sorry. Um, before people get on my backs, but you know, if I don't know, it, 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 it's a really tough one because everyone likes you like watching your team play, and as like everyone's everyone's probably got that pinch point. Mm-hmm. And Stuart, as you said last season, they tried to make it a bit more flexible for people as well. So, yeah, I. It ain't going to change anytime soon. They're not going to say it's going to go back to you know the prices that it was five years ago. I mean, you know, back in eighteen nineteen, you could get a season ticket on renewal for less than five hundred quid, less than four hundred and fifty quid in um, the South Bank. It's yeah. it, it's so yeah, twenty odd quid for a game. And well, you just wait for the new FFP stuff to come in next season as well, and you wait and see how much the prices are going to go up then when things are based on your income and not just broadcast rights and all that stuff, then people will have a, have a shock. Um, that could be potentially horrendous. Um, but we'll see if it happens yeah. first. I think there's sort, of, there's sort of this... And nobody really has mentioned it. I, I'm looking from a different point of view. That we've we've suffered because we've had, in our recent history, so many years of mediocrity. In, and and people who own the club who haven't want to put money in, like I know Morgan built this one stack, he built one stack, but it's like the points where we should have built the ground and, and improved it, and and the stable stand should have been changed. That's when the the ground could have grown, and now we're in this sort of boom period. Although the football in the last couple of years hasn't been as good as it has been, this is the period where we could have got more fans in and price freezes would have been easier because we're in a shit position. We haven't got a ground as big as Leicester and Villa and people like that who they can do it because they've got more physically, more bums on seats. And because we're a smaller club in terms of ground size and, and uh, you know, facilities that we've got, we can't. So it's like, it's, it's a shitty catch 22 situation where they're, Really, they need to re- rebuild the ground, but they can't do it because of what you're saying is coming in next season with FFP. Which is, I kind of think now is the time to do it because of that reason, because then you are constrained by forever. Because you never, you, you are then saying, okay, you do then choose, are you going to invest in a team or are you going to invest in a stadium? You don't get it wiped. For people who don't know, <laughs> it's just be, it's just be, for the normal people, not the nerds like us, at the minute, any kind of ground redevelopment, academy, women, all that stuff is just wiped off for FFP purposes. It doesn't count towards anything. So Everton can go and wank up 800 million at the wall, technically be in debt, but it doesn't matter because it's infrastructure. That doesn't count to anything. With this new UEFA bollocks, it will. So you either build your stadium now or you're screwed forever, which is why you've got the Bernabeu being redeveloped. You've got New Camp next year. They're all doing it now before it all before everyone gets hit. And what a shock. It keeps things level and keeps people in their little lanes where they, where they want them to be. Is it a surprise? No, but that's what's going to happen. And, and this stuff, like Villa... Villa are pushing for it now with the, with, the, with the North Stand there, which that, yeah. that plate thing needs knocking down how, how bad it is. But they're doing it now before the changes come in. And 
if we're not doing it soon, we're never going to get it done for that reason. Time will tell. This is where Jeff, she's been holding out on us. Uh, no, no, I tell her. Uh, couple more, last couple of things before we go. Uh, New Dico's birthday, um, as it were. Um, and it just made me think of what I, a, a friend of the fan cast, I think we can say, who's been on before. But what a fun player he was when he was fit for us. Yeah, the, the, the three of them for that six months was incredible. We've never had anything like it. Uh, what was that? So at the two moments that I can think of that are in my head, Stu, the hat trick against Rotherham, mm-hmm. or the incident, I shall call it, against Warsaw. Which which yeah. one's your favourite? Warsaw because it was just so. <laughs> not not just because you got the, the member of the uh, the national front confronting him on the pitch, <laughs> and the the complete meltdown in the stadium, but more the, the case of Lindsay phoning up WM and and calling all our black players racist <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> which was just and it's on you go and type in Warsaw. I think it's Warsaw ambulance or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's still there on YouTube. It's amazing. If you've never listened to that, that clip, it's just it, it, it is amazing. It is amazing. I think she sort of she asked for police to press charges against the female. <laughs> but I think apparently flicking the fees at children, <laughs> which <laughs> simply wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I know. I just think he, he got an injury at such a bad time because we'd lost Sacco. We had a real opportunity with him and a phobia up front to kind of play a slightly different system. And then it, it just crippled him for about a year. And we never really recovered. And then go through uh, going into end of jacket rain, into the whole sort of madness of that first season under Foson. And he never seemed to quite find his way um, after that point. But did you think he still played who was still funding a lot of Wolves players, Wolves players, Wolves fans, hearts even. Um, right, before we wrap up the show, two things. So we are fastly approaching this charity football match, guys. Um, it is, if you are living under a rock, it's on Friday, 2nd of June. Uh, we're raising money for uh, Mind Mental Health Charity. Um, links in the description below. Uh, if you... Uh, free and able to donate we we'd love any contributions uh we're playing against other content creators um across the country uh for research should be a really great day really good opportunity to uh raise funds for a really fantastic cause now my question i thought i'd end it on uh end the show on one for you guys um now we talked about this beforehand being fan cast spotted because right, we, we've got a nice little production here we we get a few few listeners really proud of our little fancast family. Um, Stu, fancast spotted a few weeks ago when I took my son for his swimming lesson. Um, I was in, in the toilets, but I was just waiting. He just went in, and I was just waiting outside for him. And the um, the janitor guy was there. And he's, he just kept looking at me, and I thought, well, I am standing around in the toilets waiting for a young boy to come out, <laughs> which was uh, a bit questionable. And, it, and I went, you're right, mate. And he went, hey, I'm just waiting for my son. He'll be out in a minute. He went, no, no, I, I know you from somewhere. I went, no, yeah, I don't think so. And he, he you know, I did. I had this on, this training top on as well, so I was kind of on brand. Um, and he went, no, no, I've seen your face before. I know it. I, I know you. And I he said, what have you done? You've been on something. I went, well, a few YouTube videos and stuff. He went, yes, you have. You're on that Wolves thing. And I went, yeah, okay. Um, but then he, started, he went on and did talking about everyone and, and he likes the guy with the beard, which could be fucking any of you. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was all very strange. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I've had it before when I've been at a bar and someone's heard my voice and more than facially obviously because i kind of blend into every other bald white man in the crowd but that's um that's more than anything else it's been voice recognition and not just from the ai <laughs> that's interesting because I, I know alex moore used to get spotted 
a weird amount. Yeah. Um, no, no disrespect to Alex. And I, it's not happening to me all too much, but it's happened a number of times recently, um, which I, I, I find kind of fascinating. The first one was admittedly a year ago, and Stu, your service is very on brand, uh, but it was at a uh, Jubilee Fate. <laughs> Were you wearing a cardigan? <laughs> Round his I, neck. I, I was. I was about to castle. <laughs> Similar to my daughter was about to castle. And it was some um, people who I think uh, daughter's friends' parents, and sort of said, "Oh, congratulations! Um, how are you having a baby?" We're like, yes. Was like, how? You know, says, Oh, well, I think um, my husband uh, follows you because you talk about football or something. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I was beaming with pride and not just because of a Queen's Jubilee. Um, so, anyway, I've now been fancast spotted twice in two weeks. So, first time was when we were playing Brighton, and I was at again a, a, children, a children's party. I was chatting to one of the other dads there, and he just randomly brought we were just sort of chatting and sort of all of a sudden he went oh yeah yeah because uh you do you do a fan cast uh don't you it's like is it is it rich um <laughs> i was like yeah it is. i was actually wearing a fan cast t-shirt as well it was great um and so yeah we ended up sort of talking about it, like che- periodically checking our phones to see balls get absolutely spanked um which was a very very fun but it was good Good to meet another, another fan casting in Chiffnall, which is which is there's at least three of us now. <laughs> so, you know, we 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 clearly I'm quietly you know just knocking down doors and uh, down the high street, just you know any Wolves fans you, you know where we are at Wolves Fancast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know you know the drill, guys. But the anyway, the one that's also happened this week. Technically, I didn't speak to this person. But I got a text off Dan, our Dan, earlier, saying, were you at the Peter Rabbit train thing yesterday? <laughs> Again, very on brand. <laughs> saw it. Saw it. I was like, yeah, in Welshpool. He went, my missus recognised you. <laughs> Literally, I've been saving that because I was like, I need to tell Stu. <laughs> you need to know for the the last few times, um, yeah, that I've been spotted with a, 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 a local village fete, a children's party, and on a steam train. Yeah. Um, was very good fun. Um, shout out to Martin, um, who I think's tuned in fairly late, but he also lives. In, I live near Shifnal. Big up, big up. There was um, there was one other one where <laughs> my um, is it well. I'm not going to name name him just because he might get all the embarrassed about it. But there was, <laughs> I've worked with someone who um, who listens and watches, a, a fellow follower of our uh, our endeavours. And um, when he realised, because <laughs> there was a obviously she had a picture of me with her kids and stuff. And he was like, oh no way! You married you married to him. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously she told told me and I thought well, what could I possibly do here um, but I thought no I'm going to be nice so you know, you know when we used to sell them cushions yeah, I, I got a fan cast cushion and just kind of put it in front of my face and went hello and I um, hope you enjoy the show and stuff like that I, I did look around and see if we had any stickers left from what, um, what Steve made us and, uh, to give to him but yeah he was um, a good egg I might get him on on one of the days if we need a guest but definitely, yes, you, definitely. You know who you are. I was going to say we we uh, I, I will end the show, but I do have a very wholesome one, which I think happened last year. But my mum was ha- my mum was having a window replaced in the garage. I have no idea how it came up in conversation, but I, I got a random text off my mum saying, "Do you know? Do you do a pod- do you do a fan cast with someone called Dan?" Like, yeah. I said, well, I think I fr- uh, the person who's just in my window. Um, knows him. <laughs> what the fuck? And I think they're talking about football, and and bless my mum had been really anxious because it. I I don't. We're rambling here, but it meant like she had to move some stuff, and it was far too heavy for her to do. I couldn't get to her to do it in time, and she was a bit worried they wouldn't. And they were absolute gents. Um, they listened to a show. They're friends with Luke and um, 
Luke and Dan. And like, I'm just chatting to him about Fancast for 10 minutes while they were doing it. I was like, this, this is this is just weird. This is just absolutely weird. But that seems a nice point to end the show. And so if you do it, if you do see any of us out in the wild, do feel free to approach us. We, yeah. we particularly Jafo, because he ain't had one yet. Yeah. Honestly, Jafo, I think I did the show for about six, seven years <laughs> before it, it was yeah. it was semi-final of football, and someone turned around and heard my voice. Yeah, it's all like, good. I'm, I'm I'm not a social person anyway, so <laughs> I'm not going to bite your head off if you come and talk to me. But like, I I'm not. I I yeah. I, I, I think I think Stu said it perfectly before the show. I am a hermit. <laughs> so unless I'm, I'm coaching or I'm at football, I'm just I'm not doing anything. It's, it's when those people start listening. Is is uh that that's when you'll know you've really got through to them. Um, but that seems a good point to end the show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back um, towards the end of the week to preview the Everton game, bring you any news and views coming out of Wolves. Um, as I mentioned, feel free to donate to our charity football match coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Um, big shouts out to 19 in Football Network as well. And keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, though. It's goodbye from Stu. Leave your lure pack where it belongs. Goodbye. Lessons for life. It's goodbye from Jafo. Arrivederci. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. See you next time, everyone. <laughs>